People spend millions of dollars on virtual goods and games each year. One blockchain solution seeking to work with game publishers to make the buying and selling of these items seamless and flawless. Is it easier to buy things in the real world with gold or Bitcoin? And how is cryptocurrency blowing your mind? Inquiring minds want to know, and you'll get a chance to be on an upcoming show. Recommended by four out of five dentists, it's episode number 44 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, Who's bad? Dang, Travis, 44. How about that? Yes, this is the uh, Hank Aaron episode for all you sports fans out there. Oh, home run, Slugger. Well played, and welcome to Bad Crypto Podcast, people of Bad Cryptopia. Glad that you're here and now over, let's see, not over, you're in 161 countries. Because if it was over 161 countries, then it would be 162 or more. And that would just be silly to say that. That is true. There are people in at least 161 countries who have listened to at least one episode of the Bad Crypto Podcast. So much love to everyone, except the ones in the 30 countries that haven't listened to us. Because, you know, yeah, we'll we'll get to them. We'll get to them. We're we're trying to get to the outer reaches. But by the time you hear the show, we should have passed download number five hundred thousand in just the first one hundred days of our show. How fun is that? It's amazing. I believe I was looking at the calendar. I think it's day one hundred and five. So one hundred and five days to get five hundred thousand downloads. That's that's crazy to me. That blows my mind. And we're pleased. Yeah, no, it's it's great fun. And we're going to talk about how crypto's blown your mind in a little bit. But I want to welcome our new show sponsor for the month of November. There's a, a an app out there that is in uh, pre-registration mode right now where you can't get it yet. But it's called Zilla, Z-I-L-L-A. And this is an ICO marketplace app and it's kind of like a mix between amazon and reddit for icos you can browse icos you can upvote or downvote them and that way the ones that you think are good rise up to the top so if you like icos you'll be able to participate using tokens and credit card with just one click you guys can go pre-register for the limited zilla beta app at get this Write this down, engrave this on your hand with a tattoo. They'd like that. ZLA.io forward slash bad. And speaking of mind-blowing, Travis, uh, we want to know how people's minds are being blown. And we we talked in the past couple episodes that we're going to celebrate our 50th episode, which is coming very soon by involving uh, you, our listeners. Yeah. So one of the things that we would love is our amazing fans to maybe give us a voicemail and, and let us know how crypto has blown your mind, right? How has crypto changed your, your life so far? Has it? I mean, I know that a lot of folks have, have messaged us about that, you know, they're paying attention to it more and more. And I've, we've, we've had conversations about how it's actually, you know, changed our consumer behavior. And it's, you start weighing it and you go, really? Should I buy that? Well, that's a Litecoin worth. I don't know if I want to spend a like, I, I should get a Litecoin instead of this. Right. So, uh, we would love to hear your story. In fact, this was partially inspired by this voicemail from Camille. Bad crypto voicemail. 
You have one new message. Hi, Travis and Joel. This is Camille. I have a question. I just love the show. I've been listening for a while. Well, not a while, but it seems like an eternity ago because <laughs> my mind has been blown recently and I cannot stop thinking about this and pretty much freaked everyone in my life out. So I'm wondering, you guys, does this <laughs> go away? Am I going to calm down and be able to acclimate? Or, yeah, I guess I'm just reaching out. <laughs> All right. Bye. So, Travis, just as Camille reached out, we're inviting all of our friends, fans, listeners, detractors, uh, people who want to send us, you know, Bitcoin by the bag loads. Call us at this number, 708-885-9030. That's 708-885-9030. And tell us how your life has changed since you started going down the cryptocurrency rabbit hole. Um, how about a, a couple tips, Travis, for making, for doing good voicemail? Yes. One of the things, first of all, you want to make sure it's interesting, right? Secondly, keep it brief. We really like it to be 15 to 30 seconds because we want to play a few and we want to, we want to take all your recordings and put them on that episode. So that will be really cool. We want you to, you know, maybe give us your name if you feel comfortable with that. Uh, maybe the country out of the 161 you're listening to us in, right? Tell us a little bit about what's going on, how crypto has changed your life and uh, make it fun. And we will put it on the show. Yeah. The 50th episode is going to be a celebration of you and of crypto. It's going to be great fun. And we've got a great show for you today. A lot of fascinating news and then a great feature with the CEO and CTO of GameFlip.com. So let's do this. So our buddy Max Kaiser, who we had the great opportunity to interview in Aspen there at the Nexus Earth Conference. Our close friend. Our close our, friend. He, he very actually, close friend. We are we are good friends and uh, we vacation sometimes. Uh, he doesn't know who in we Connecticut. are. No, we don't. He doesn't remember he us. Doesn't, he probably does. Uh, so he says Bitcoin will have no difficulty hitting 10,000 with 30,000 new Bitcoin wallets a day opening up. Wow. 30,000. Uh, That's a lot. That... That is a lot of wallets. And, you know, we, I guess if we would have done the math looking at how many new Coinbase, you know, accounts were opening up, that we should have known that this is what's happening. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk on Friday, uh, Friday's episode, we're going to talk about all of the optimists that are predicting Bitcoin is going to go to the moon. So that'll be great fun. And of course, uh, this story and all the stories we're going to reference linked in the show notes and more. Hey, hold on a second, Joel. I want to say that is 1,250 new accounts an hour. But who's counting? We're not counting. You want to know how many per minute? They are. 21 per minute. How many a second? Well, you can figure that out there. One every three seconds. Don't make me do math. That's great. Another new angel got his wings. <laughs> so more proof that things are moving forward with blockchain. MasterCard announces that payments can now be made on the blockchain. So, you know, when credit card companies start getting into this, then uh, you know something is up. And apparently they are leading the way, uh, they said, and I quote, 
this service is slated to become available to customers this week. Um, that story was from last week. MasterCard's blockchain solution provides a new way for consumers, businesses, and banks to transact and is key to the company's strategy to provide payment solutions that meet every need of financial institutions and their end customers. And that is their press statement. And they're sticking to it because it was a statement. So there's a lot of stuff. That was a lot of a lot of great stuff coming out of the Money 2020 uh, event there in Las Vegas last week. I mean, if you guys are wanting to dive down the rabbit hole on your own, go check out some of the presentations and some of the videos from the Money 2020 conference. A lot of amazing stuff going down in the city. Money 2020. I just like the way it sounds. Money, money 20. So this guy did an interesting experiment. This is a story from Business insider.com and the title of the story is i spent a day trying to pay for things with bitcoin and a bar of gold you know we have people like uh, peter schiff that are all about that gold and says that bitcoin is worthless crap then we look and see that gold has barely moved in its price in years uh, and you wonder which is easier to spend you know, could you could you have a, a bar of gold or even an ounce of gold uh, and uh, a Bitcoin on your wallet and, and are, easy, are either easy to spend? What did this guy find out? Well, first of all, I just want to say, since I am in the Netherlands, this link actually is showing in my browser in Dutch. It says, Ik probeerde in dag lang te battelen met Bitcoin in, in good bar. Oh, in other words, you don't know what the story says. <laughs> No, I can't read a single word of this That's thing. That's awesome. Well, what it says is Travis Wright is a big, stupid dummy head. Um, so Travis, it's why you don't speak Dutch? Yeah. Well, this it's pretty funny. He, the, what this guy determined is that it's not easy to spend either. And But Bitcoin was slightly easier to spend. They couldn't use Bitcoin at Subway which was on one of the lists of retailers that accept Bitcoin. There was a restaurant that people reported to accept Bitcoin, but it was closed down when they tried to eat there. Uh, but eventually they found that the place that it was easiest to use Bitcoin was on overstock.com. Also, his daughter's preschool accepted Bitcoin for tuition payments, but they couldn't find anywhere that they could spend their gold bar. Mm -hmm. It just it wasn't. It wasn't a thing. Expedia takes uh, Bitcoin as well. So you can buy hotels and rental cars and uh, hotel rooms and uh, trips and ex experiences and stuff. So, yeah, you can pay with that with Bitcoin. And actually, so I was just in Prague, a place that you were a couple of months ago or last month, right? And um, you had stumbled into the Apple Museum. Yeah. Uh, whenever you you you, we'd ha you talked about that in the previous episode. I didn't have it on my wallet at the time, so I couldn't spend. But you bought your entry with Litecoin, right? I did. I bought my entry with Litecoin. 0. 0.22805 uh, Litecoin to get in. And what was interesting was that the lady had to go through and look at the procedures and figure out how to do it. And then she logged in and, and got it set up. And on LightVault was the, was the site that she was using. And then I noticed on her received like nobody had paid in litecoin in, in 20 days i was the first person in tw in three weeks essentially to buy in litecoin and how long did it take to process your oh entry? it took well it, it took for a second for it to show up on light vault and so i'd say it took about you know for her to figure out how to do it and then to do it about seven minutes till we got to the transfer yeah which is still too slow uh but 
unfortunately, things will speed up and there are other currencies that can be accepted that are much, much faster. And uh, but the story about this guy wanting to pay for things with Bitcoin or a bar of gold reminds me of a Mark Dice video I saw on YouTube where he was uh, on the beach at Boardwalk in (laughs) California. And he was offering people a bar of chocolate or a bar of silver. And so many of these ninny heads, I'm just going to call them ninny heads because that's kind of like what they are, uh, wanted the bar of chocolate. Absolutely clueless as to what uh, a bar of silver. And I don't know if that was two ounce or five ounce bar, but if it was a two ounce bar, it was worth about $36, right? Yeah, I've seen that video and it's so it was so hilarious how many people. Now, here's the thing. He probably cut out all of the people who did take it because there's had to be several to be like, well, what? Hell yeah, I'm taking that. But he just edited them out. I'm, I'm going to assume that people aren't that dumb. I mean, like, like I want the chocolate bar. Oh, like, yeah, this chocolate is so delicious. I was, I was craving some Hershey's. Well, speaking of Overstock being one of the few places that this gentleman could purchase anything with Bitcoin, you know, we learned in our interview with Patrick Byrne, the CEO of Overstock, about their big blockchain initiative called T Zero. And this was also announced at the Money 2020 conference in Las Vegas. The story is now on Coindesk.com that Overstock's T Zero is going to be launching their own ICO next month. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that one. Yeah, because we had a conversation with Patrick Byrne, and that was directly from his mouth. He said that he they had worked with this with the they had bought this, they acquired this company, and then they got approval from the SEC, and then they added blockchain on top of it. So it was really interesting how that is all transpiring. Completely fascinating. So I guess it's going to trade a lot of different things. Apparently, I don't know mm-hmm. all the things. Well, that's they're going to. Gonna- do the ICO first as a private pre-sale November 15th to December 31st, and then they're going to figure out how they need to scale from there. But Byrne is predicting that the sale could get as much as $500 million. Uh, it's a restricted offer. It's for accredited investors. And so uh, we'll see how that pans out. And, and maybe by then, the price of Bitcoin could be as high as it is in, once again, Zimbabwe. Uh oh. $9.5,000 in Zimbabwe. Isn't that crazy? Because um, things are, are bad there and a dollar is scarce there. And now it's $9,500 per coin. That is amazing. And of course, what's going to happen in Venezuela now that the great socialist experiment has once again failed? Because that's all it does is fail. But it's very it's very cyclical. What's so interesting to me because I I was in Berlin a couple of days ago, right? And I went to this thing called the topography the topography of terror, which was where the Gestapo headquarters were. They they raised the whole thing. I saw uh, that. They, I, I was there last month. It was amazing. Yeah, it was it was very wild. And you think about you know basically they got tired of democracy. They're like, eh, I don't know, we don't like democracy. We all need-. And then all of a sudden they go into socialism and it becomes horrible, like, like literally every time. And then but then they go, oh, yeah, we need to have freedom again. And then they have freedom. And they get tired of it. Like, it's, yeah. people are weird. Well, all you need is a generation that isn't educated about what actually happened historically to repeat history. That's how it happens. And uh, so anyway, it's fun to see Bitcoin soaring in some places. And speaking of other places, we have story from Russia, uh, Vladimir Putin. 
mandates new rules for cryptocurrencies and ICOs, also from the CoinDesk of the publishing thing about the Bitcoin. Yes, uh, they have published five orders from Mr. Putin, uh, and he says that there are a lot of different things that they're going to be doing and uh, you know legislating ICOs. So they want to be able to create a technology to create a single payment space within the Eurasian Economic Union, which is Armenia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and Russia as members. So they're going to create their own single payment source within those uh, that group right there. And they're going to apply new rules for an initial public offerings to the ICO use case. So they're going to be doing these tokens as well. To, uh, to bootstrap a new blockchain network. You know, I love that we have the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, but it would kind of be fun to have Bad Cryptopistan. <laughs> <laughs> bad Cryptopistan. Yes, we got to have a stand. I'm Travis Stan. I don't understand. And, and also, on the other side of the world, not too far away, a story out of Saudi Arabia, a Saudi prince, Al-Walid, he says... And I quote, Bitcoin is going to implode. So he, he must like have had breakfast with Jamie Dimon or something. <laughs> well, he did agree with Jamie Dimon. That's one thing that uh, he did say is that is true. And uh, apparently Al-Walid is worth upwards of $17 billion. I tell you what, that's one thing that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia has done well is creating royal princes. Because I think there's over a thousand of them that are billionaires or something in saudi arabia so yeah we only made one prince you know in the united states and and yeah. he died last year you know along with his music so yeah well that's a downer i just was. you just totally just brought it down from like a real prince to the real prince the music prince well Wallace. let's let's kick it up a notch then because as we go to our feature section we have one ico spotlight for you today this is a sponsored segment of the show and we have vetted these guys and believe that what they're doing is fascinating enough that we want to bring them to you so if you're ready to hear from the peoples at gameflip.com then follow us to our feature segment travis i just can't stay away from video games i you know i bought the new destiny 2 i'm still playing world of warcraft i play overwatch i play guild wars you don't play at all do you uh you're out of control mr Jolcom. i would say you need to get some help <laughs> well there's, there's <laughs> nothing new there but you know yeah. for me gaming is that that way that i decompress you know after a a busy day of doing whatever I'm doing, uh, you know, shooting fake things and having fun in virtual worlds has just always been a way for me to relax. Mm. And, is uh, that the end of the day ritual for you? Not necessarily the end of the day. Sometimes I'll start the day like that. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we featured uh, some people on our show from Engine Coin, a ICO based on the sale of virtual goods. And wouldn't you know it, we have attracted into our lives another company that is in the uh, virtual goods space and, and more. They are from a company called Game Flip. It's gameflip.com, where you could be flipping 40 games. And with us today on a special ICO Spotlight is Mr. J.T. Wynn, who's the CEO and co-founder of GameFlip, along with Terry No, the CTO and co-founder. Welcome, gentlemen, to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Thanks. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us. We definitely are, are, are pleased to have you here. So, so this is interesting to us because 
Game Flip is its own business. You've been around for a few years already, right? So what, how have you guys decided to do an ICO? What's going on? Yeah, let us explain first. Um, we have been in the gaming space for over 10 years. Before we started GameFlip, we actually ran a publishing business called Area Games that we grew to $100 million in revenue and 300 people globally. So we, uh, Terry, with the co-founder of that company, uh, CTO, I was the COO of that company. The bottom line is we know the space really well, and we saw a problem that we wanted to solve for gamers. Basically, everyone in the Western market can trade, sell, resell, physical video games, why can't they do the same thing with digital goods? You know, the paradigm completely shifted when the free-to-play business model came about. So that's why we built GameFlip. We really wanted to solve it in a manner that's fair for publishers, for gamers, and build a really strong, transparent brand that everyone can trust. Uh, You guys can check out the uh, existing site at GameFlip.com, but the token sale is happening at TokenSale.GameFlip.com, and they are launching the Flip crypto token flp i believe will be the symbol for buying and selling gaming digital goods so explain to us guys the uh, the utility of this token and, and how it solves this problem yeah so basically at uh, the basic is that what we want to do is to solve the existing problem that the current games are having problem right now is that they don't allow people to buy sell goods so with the flip Points, uh, we want to implement a way that you can essentially escrow the item so that you bring the escrow information onto the blockchain. So when a seller, say, want to say, I want to sell this particular source, it's with Flip, they bring the escrow information with the publisher's help, of course, onto the blockchain and say that guarantee that, hey, uh, like Joe, you own this particular source and it's recognized on the blockchain. And when you sell it to someone else, like say me, Terry, I want to buy it, then that transfer of ownership is also recorded after successful exchange through smart contracts, of course, uh, that, hey, Terry bought this one. So that I can go to the game and claim the item, say, hey, I actually legitimately bought this item. Now, please give me that item. And the game, with the game publisher's blessing, of course, will say, hey, transfer this item to Terry's account. Well, what kind of things are we talking about? Give people the full spectrum of what types of items they would trade. Okay, so, you know, having a game publisher's background, we understand that the game publishers, depending on the games, have different needs. For an MMO games, they want to make sure, as, as an example, it doesn't have to be MMO, but uh, for MMO games, they have in-game economies that they want to balance it out. Right. I mean, you're, you're a gamer, Joe, so you, you know, people don't want anything to be you know, sold, anything. You know, it, it doesn't happen that way. And the publishers don't want their revenue, their primary revenue, to be overrun by these marketplace of peer-to-peer transactions. So we will work with them and we'll give them control and say that, okay, these are the game, these are the items, sorry, these are the items that players have earned uh, throughout playing a lot of games. Uh, spending a lot of time uh, grinding or winning battles, these items they can sell. So they will essentially whitelist it. These are the ones that you allow to uh, to sell uh, to other players for flip. Uh, so that's what we want to build is a platform and uh, a control mechanism for game publishers to control it. 
All right, let yeah. me ask you this, because this is interesting to me, because there's, you know, as Joel mentioned at the top of the show, there was a company um, that we did an ICO spotlight on with called Engine, and they were talking about something similar to this. Now, is this going to be something where it's sort of like an SDK or an ad network where you're going to be connected and sanctioned with certain uh, games or with game publisher companies, and then the, your blockchain is going to interact with those, but there might be some others that work with other games and have their own blockchain? Or how do you guys see that becoming a layer on top of these games and these game publishers working together? The difference between us and Engine and others really comes down to who do we think within the network needs to be incentivized to make it work really well. From Engine's perspective, they are looking at gamers driving the demand for these digital goods. But the problem we see as a publisher uh, of over 10 years is the publishers are the gatekeepers of these digital goods. How can you bypass them and expect that gamers can just drive demand? You can't get digital goods onto the blockchain without publishers really agreeing to it. Mm -hmm. For us, it's really looking at from that perspective, because we were a publisher, and understanding how do we incentivize them? If you look at our token design, we've allocated 40% of our tokens, outstanding tokens for network growth. What that means is a publisher that sells these tokens to their community members and drives that demand will get all of the sales proceeds of those tokens. That's tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars. But the only way that they can actually get their users to buy these tokens is, guess what? They integrate with our SDK, they place some of the items onto the blockchain, and they work with us to really make the system work well. So fundamentally, our philosophy is we want to work with publishers. We want to grow a new revenue stream, but we want to do it cautiously and build a good use case for them because we know exactly what they're going through. And that's where we think our competitors have completely missed the boat. You know, just having demand, sure, that's great. But gamers aren't going to make it happen. Publishers are going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Now, it appears your, your ICO has completed already. Is that correct? That is a pre-ICO that we just completed uh, okay. last week, and we were uh, we hit roughly 110% of our goal. Nice. It was a small uh, 3,000 each goal that we set. Uh, we wanted to kind of get our name out there, but now we're taking a step back, uh, spending a lot more time trying to explain you know, the differences and, and why we think we have our best position to uh, really build this out. That's excellent. So the actual main token sale begins at the end of November and looks like goes through the end of the year. Is that correct? That is correct. And explain the token sale and who is and who is not eligible. Token sale starts on November 28th. It'll run for roughly four to five weeks. We are not opening it to U.S., but we are opening it to the rest of the world. For us, it's really about building a... um, really influential community of token buyers that can help accelerate this, uh, this network effect. For us. You know, we would love to have a lot of gamers globally join this as well. Uh, but in general, it runs for four weeks and the bonuses will uh, decrease by week. The minimum amount is right now set at 0.1 ETH for any of the investments across the four weeks. All right. So, so basically you guys are creating this transparent, frictionless infrastructure for helping people buy and sell digital goods among gamers. Sort of kind of like, you know, if you're like, hey, I don't need this sword anymore. And you kind of could sell it like it's like on eBay or something. Are, are they taking bids on the price? Do you set the price of your digital goods? Or is there 
uh, the, the economics already sort of in place for how much they're worth. Like here, it's worth this much on the game, so it's worth 80% of that. How are people dis- determining the prices of these digital goods in the secondary market? Yeah, a couple things to mention there, which we haven't talked about in depth. One, Gameflip.com already is running today as a global digital goods marketplace. We're transacting millions of dollars worth of um, digital goods across multiple games on multiple platforms. And so what we're trying to do is extend the system into blockchain and incentivize our community of 2 million members to join this. How does the price get determined? It's a peer-to-peer marketplace. So we want it to be determined by market forces. What is the demand? What is the supply? What are people willing to deal with each other in order to agree on a price? We are not attempting to be the middleman setting prices. We just want to facilitate the most frictionless, transparent transaction and secure one for our users. In terms of whether we have bidding features or things like that, I mean, those are the things that we have in mind in the roadmap down the road right now on GameFlip.com is really set the price. And uh, with all these popularities, items, uh, the sellers usually know what the price that they can sell with. Mm-hmm. Well, this is just one feature of what GameFlip does. I mean, as I'm looking at your website, you sell physical products, you sell game cards, you sell consoles, movies, collectibles, accessories. And what I really always find attractive is when I scroll down a site and I see the methods of payment you accept, you've been accepting Bitcoin probably now for some time. Yes, that's correct. We've been in the crypto space. Uh, I think we launched it maybe about a year and a half ago. And uh, we're always constantly looking to add more crypto. We're looking... uh, actually at adding Ether as well as Flip as a purchase uh, option probably uh, within early next year. So you could mm-hmm. actually use Flip to purchase digital goods on the platform. All right. So, you know, from taking a look at the tokensale.gameflip.com website, you're talking, it's interesting to take a look at the current problem and then how Flip is solving that with their ERC-20 tokens and how, you know, game developers and publishers are going to be given access and, and uh, software development kits to, to integrate that in. Or how are you guys building relationships with these, uh, these different publishers? Because it seems to me that you guys have something that's pretty valuable to them. You already have 2 million users on your platform, right? So it seems to me you're probably just reaching out saying, hey, we got 2 million people on board. So how are you guys, how are you guys working together with them? Yes, that's a very good question. We have been in the gaming space for over 10 years, as I mentioned. We've worked with every major gaming publisher worldwide. On top of that, our advisors are the co-founder of Electronic Arts, of Gree, of Bitpoint. We have a very deep network uh, of influential executives in the space, and we plan on leveraging that network to work uh, with all these game publishers. But most importantly what we think is we will build out a very strong use case with one or two of our friendly game publishers to show that this will be a very effective system and new revenue stream for them. And from there, we think it'll be very easy with our network growth incentives to onboard the rest of the publishers. Well, you know, there's something about gamers. They already understand in-app purchases. They've Many games have their own non-crypto tokens that are used to purchase items and purchase time. So you're going to an audience that already gets this. And, and I think when they'll be able to put a direct monetary value with their tokens, uh, I think you're onto something. So congratulations, fellas. 
Thank you very much, guys. It was a pleasure to speak with you guys today. Yeah, it looks like uh, if you guys go to tokensale.gameflip.com, you'll see there's links up at the top for Telegram and Bitcoin Talk where you can engage and interact with uh, with the folks here at uh, Gameflip and learn more about this particular ICO. Again, this has been JT Wynn and Terry No, the CEO and CTO of Gameflip. And good luck with the sale, guys. Thank you very Thank much. You. Oh, that was flipping awesome, Napoleon. <laughs> like, for sure, for sure. Hey, um, by the way, forgot to mention earlier on that Bad Cryptober is Bad Cryptover, uh, pun credit Travis Wright. Ding, ding. And we, we appreciate everybody participating in that. Watch your BitShares wallet. Well, just stare at it. Just like, you know, watched uh, Pot Never Boils, but watched wallets do eventually get bad coin if you have them coming to you so sometime within the week if you participate in bad cryptober i don't know about that probably sometime after travis is back in the united states okay maybe two weeks that's right because we're a little little delayed but don't write us and ask us when it's going to show up we'll let you know if you write us and ask us we immediately deduct it in two we'll We'll let you know on the show when all have been delivered and if you haven't received yours then then you can uh call somebody who cares no well we want to get bad coin we are not contractually obligated to deliver such bad (laughs) if you get it you are grateful and like wow what a blessing (laughs) we had so much appreciating Uh, all you comrades of bad Kripopistan to listen to show Thank you so much. And until next time, on behalf of Comrade Travis and myself, Joel Kamm, please do stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.